Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. Let me begin by reading uh, our passage this morning. It's from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, which says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So... There are, there are two different ways that we think about time, two different ways that we think about time, and one of them is, you know, by minutes, days, months, years. Think about this as clock and calendar time, right? That's one of the ways that we think about time. But we also think about time as in, you know, moments or seasons. So think about this as, you know, opportunity time. You ever heard the phrase, you need to strike while the iron's hot? Like, that's this idea of opportunity time, which is a different type of time necessarily than um, your quantitative time. You know, even though certain moments, certain bits of time take up the same amount of clock time, we all know that specific moments carry more weight than others. You probably all had several times in your life where one of the most important things that ever happened to you took the same amount of time as something that, you know, meant nothing, that you forget about. So there's two different ways we look at time, two different ways we look at seasons. You know, one, of my, one of my favorite Monday morning routines that I'll do is I like to uh, watch SportsCenter early, catch up on all the games from, from the past day. And on Monday, you know, my son stumbled out early, and he's watching, he's like, oh, asking about it. He goes, do the Patriots play? When, when's the Patriots highlights coming up? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's probably buried at the end in like an eight-second clip because they stink and they're terrible this year, so no one's watching the Patriots. He goes, that's because Tom Brady's not there, right, Dad? I'm like, you know it, you know it. <laughs> and uh, so instead of watching, I was, like, I, was, both my, I was like, hey, guys, how about instead of watching a boring sports center, do you want to watch the best comeback of all time? Let's watch the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. And they'd never seen it. They're like, all right, all right, sure. So as a sad Patriots fan now, I still have all the good times recorded so I can go back when I need to. <laughs> and uh, so I pull it up. I'm like, let's just watch the second half. And uh, they had never seen it before because they were so young. So even though I told them what was going to happen, my son's sitting there. He's like, I can't watch. They're not going to do it. It's too stressful. I can't watch. And they were like jumping and cheering when it was over. I'm like, ah, I needed that this morning. (laughs) Uh, But as I was watching it, it was really interesting to see. So with nine minutes left in the game, they're down by two scores. And the level of urgency and precision that they were playing with fit the moment. It was really incredible to watch. Now, I've watched plenty of football games before with nine minutes left, not the same situation. The level of urgency, all that was, was very different. And it was just kind of striking me when I was thinking about moments. It's the clock, the score, the stage. That's what sets the urgency, right? If you were watching it, if, if the Patriots down by 16, nine minutes left, were just kind of like slowly walking up to the line, taking their time, just calling a bunch of short check down plays. You'd be watching it almost like, what are you doing? Don't you know what time it is? Where's your sense of urgency? You'd be screaming at the TV as a Patriots fans, like your actions are not matching the moment. You are not acting like you know what time it is. 
the scoreboard, the clock, and the stakes determine the moment, and the moment determines the urgency. The Greeks actually had two different words to talk about time. One was chronos, or chronos which uh, I talked about earlier, which is clock time, time that can be measured quantitatively. But they also had a second way to talk about time, which is uh, kairos time, which is talking about moments or seasons of opportunity. Because again, we know not all time, not all moments carry the same weight. And this is, you can kind of see the, the kind of the difference in that. Um, some moments or some seasons are more important and require a different level of urgency and a different response. Often, I think too many of us live like we don't know what time it is. Too many of our lives, we live as if we don't know what time it is. And this is actually what the Apostle Paul is getting at in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, the word he uses for time, for redeeming the time, is the word kairos, or kairos. He is, what, what Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 is sort of saying is this, that the wise person is attuned to the moment and lives accordingly. The wise person has an understanding of what moment they are in and then adjusts their time to match. And the foolish person just kind of lives and you almost want to look at them and be like, what are you doing? Don't you know what time it is? You know, if you're a parent, uh, if you're trying to get out the door with young kids, you're supposed to leave at eight and you look at them and it's 7.56 and no one's dressed and no one has, like, guys, come on, it is time to go. Don't you know what time it is? Hurry up. This is a moment that requires a little bit more urgency. That is, in a sense, I think, the moment that we are in when it comes to the church and the gospel and our community. We just got done with a three-day conference that Josh was talking about called Made to Multiply that was really invigorating. It was kind of as we've been going along over the last, uh, I would say, two plus years of you know, helping equip people to share their story and share their faith and understand what it looks like to be a, to be a disciple and lean into that. Uh, this training that we were doing this past couple of days was, what happens if it starts to work? Like, what happens? I actually had someone come up to me. Uh, they're not here, so they're not going to know I'm talking about them, but if they're watching. <laughs> but they were like, all right, I, I shared my faith with my neighbor, share my testimony. They're really curious, and they want to know more, and they want me to start meeting with them and explain more stuff to them. What, uh, I'm freaking out. What do I do? Like, well, that's what we're here for. We kind of want to be like Home Depot. You can do it. We can help. Don't just bring them to church, okay? Uh, but, but it was like, this next training is the solution to that because people are just freaking out like, oh, no, it actually worked. I wasn't expecting any type of response. So it was a really good three days to look at, like, what do we do? How would you disciple somebody? How would you form churches? How do, how do, you, send, how do you send people out? Because we live in a moment that demands we talk about this stuff. We live in a moment that requires a little bit more urgency, not panic. You know, when I was, again, when I was thinking back to that Super Bowl, they weren't panicking. When you pan like, panic usually causes confusion, and, but they were urgent. They had purpose. They realized that the moment we are in right now is different. It is not the same as the other ones. It requires us to adjust our time and our schedules and our priorities in a way that matches. And I was thinking, like, as a church and as a community, what we need to do is understand and live like we know what time it is. Not panic, 
but there should be a little bit of urgency. One of the things we did, we kind of put on the wall of like, here's where we're at just culturally. The church in our part of the country, especially New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, are all vying for the gold medal of the least church state in the country. Um, sometimes we win, but we're always on the podium. We're always getting one of those, one of those medals, which is really not a good thing to get. Um, but it's not getting better. The trends are not ex- going this direction. They're, they're going the wrong way still. You know, millennials are had to kind of detached from church. They're not having kids. Those kids are not growing up in church. The generation next to that is not growing up in church. Some crazy stat, like, if you were born after 1984, there's only a 10% chance you're in church today. And uh, probably if you're born after, like, the year 2005, the number's, like, way lower. The moment we're in demands a little bit more urgency. The moment we're in is going to require a community of believers to all commit and say, you know what, I might not feel like I can do everything, but every single person who's a part of this church needs to know like, the Great Commission and why this is important. Needs to know their identity in Christ. Needs to know that here, I could, I could, I could pray for a group of people. I could share my story with someone. If someone asked, like, I could explain the gospel to them. And if they followed up or were actually interested, I wouldn't panic. I'd be like, hey, I can, I can, I can disciple you. The moment requires a community of people who can do this and pass this on. Because we live in an area that if you ask some follow-up questions, 95 out of 100 people would say, They're not, I don't follow Jesus. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. We can't just shrug that off. We can't just be like, yeah, it is what it is. Times are tough. We're called to lean into this. We are called to make a difference. This is the moment we find ourselves in. And it's not just the moment of, uh, of like what's going on around us, but it's also, I think, the specific moment in our church community. You know, one thing Jesus said, called us to pray for in Luke 10 too, he's talking to his disciples and he said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So in response to the moment, Jesus tells his disciples, here's what you need to start with, prayer, earnest prayer, pray for laborers, pray for people to be sent out into the harvest because it is his harvest. We need to pray like we know what time it is. We need to pray like we know what time it is. And when you see in scripture, you'll also see that seasons of of, uh, change and opportunity when communities were confronted with that, they always banded together for intentional prayer. Jesus, before, before he goes into ministry, he takes 40 days of prayer and fasting before encountering uh, the, the, the devil's temptation in the wilderness. Jesus, before he chose his disciples, prayed all night. Again, I think Jesus had a pretty good handle on uh, you know, wisdom when it came to who he would choose, probably better than all of us, and he still prayed. You see in Acts all the time before people were sent out, what happens? There's moments and seasons of concerted prayer, fasting, intentional effort where everybody is, as a community, leaning into uh, to God and his wisdom. And I really believe that is the season that we are in as a church. Not every season is like the one we're in right now, but we're in a season that calls for prayer, that calls for all of us praying together for specific things because the season is one of opportunity. We talked about before church planting and multiplication. 
when they kind of train you on the, the, sort of the four things you need to kind of move forward in church planting, they are, well, you need an identified area first. And for us, that's the, it's Walpole and the areas around Walpole where there's about a population of, of about... Uh, <laughs> Hi, Ashley. She just texted the person. Now everyone knows it's you, the person who was like, I'm going to tell the story and they're not here. And this text came through. We're watching. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thanks for the illustration. Uh, but we're in a moment of opportunity. Like, yeah, that, that was totally unnecessary. I was, I was in a groove. <laughs> The Walpole area, even though it's a small town, within a 15-minute driving radius, there's about 20 to 25,000 people. It's kind of almost, it's almost as similar to, to Keaton. Like, that is an area that we've identified. Then they'll say, well, you need a core group. You can't you know, just send someone there. You need people to do the work. And there's a growing number, 25, 30 or more, that are, that are from that area who have a heart for their town. They're like, we want to help with this. And it's helpful to have a place to uh, meet. And there's a church that, um, that it sort of died during COVID that has a building right on, the, right on the commons that's like, if you want to plant a church here, you can have it. Here, just have our building for free. I was like, all right, that's a decent deal. Um, <laughs> but then you need a called leader. You really need a called leader, someone who's going to organize this work. And Justin um, and Danielle have prayed it through and they thought, you know, God is calling us to do this. Uh, we, we want to be the first that gets sent out to do it. We're in a season of opportunity, which requires prayer. We're also in a, in here, and I'm saying we're in a season of growth. I don't think that the, you know, the people that get sent off are, to church planting are really going to make much of an impact on our growth here, other than you always send your best away. <laughs> and so there'll be just as many people, but less, uh, less workers. <laughs> um, but we're in a season of growth here. God continues to send us young families, people that are curious about the faith, people that are returning to faith. We're in a season of growth here. It's a season of opportunity. We're also, honestly, in a season of challenges. When you hear the term growing pains, I always used to focus on the growing, not the pain part, but they are both so there. Growing pains are a very real thing. You know, we're in a season we're going into where we need to, you know, restructure staff and hire key volunteers. We're going to be, you know, dealing with space constraints. We're praying for finances that God provide the finances to match the plan. We're a season of ban- where we're struggling, honestly, to have the bandwidth to care and disciple everyone that, that needs. But this is the season that we're in. It's a season of opportunity, growth, and of very real challenges. But you know what those seasons call for? Prayer. Prayer together. Corporate prayer. We need to intentionally devote ourselves as a community to prayer. I mean, prayer is always supposed to be on the front of a church. We talk about it. But you still see that there is oftentimes where even more prayer is called for. Listen to this quote by uh, Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary. This is what he said. He said, we need to constantly look to Jesus, realizing that it's his power that does the work. And while we are to labor earnestly for the salvation of the lost, we must also take time for meditation for prayer, and for the study of the Word of God. Because only the work accomplished with much prayer will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. That last line is so key. Only the work accomplished with much prayer will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. You know, I always struggle to come up with uh, titles for my sermons. 
They're always like, we need to post it. What's the title? I'm like, I don't know. Jesus is great. Like, what is I going to figure out? I have a hard time with it. But this one was easy. A season that calls for prayer. That's what, that's what today is all about. And in light of our moment, I am kind of asking everyone to join together in 40 days of intentional prayer. And we're going to give you tools and resources so we can do this together. Honestly, we don't need an awesome sermon on prayer. What we need is to pray. We don't need a nine-part series on this and this and this. No, as a community, what we need is to actually pray, not talk about praying. It's so much easier to talk about the importance of prayer than to actually do it together. But we are in a season where we need to lean in and do this together because there's not a single move of God that I know that was not preceded by and saturated with prayer. Every time you see God move and do something great, it's always like what was happening leading up to it for months, days, years? Prayer. And it's not as if this is some, you know, hey, we do this and God does what we want type thing. It's not a, you know, we're forcing him to do. We're following the pattern of prayer. Because one thing when you're praying together as a community that happens is your hearts get attuned to the right thing. Your hearts get attuned to the right thing. Uh, you're all praying about the same thing at the same time. It gives you something to do, to do together as we come to, uh, to come to God. And so the tool that we're going to use is something called the prayer wheel to help. And so a lot of you uh, were really excited that you thought we were going to do, start doing bulletins. Um, so I'll disappoint you. No, we're not, because um, this is something we want, to, we, we want you to use past when you walk out of here, as opposed to a bulletin. Oh, shots fired. Just kidding. <laughs> but here's what this prayer wheel is. It's a tool that I have used a lot over the last year that has been very helpful in uh, just helping me center in prayer and helping me pray for longer periods of time about specific things. And so I'll explain how it works. Um, Really, in the prayer, where there's, tw- there's 12 different topics, 12 different things that need to get prayed for. And to kind of do it in its pure form is that you pray for each one of these topics for five minutes. And it gives you a way and a movement to pray for an hour. And so for the you know, 94% of you in here who just checked out when I said I'm going to try to make you pray for an hour, um, there are lots of different ways you can use this. If you want to start by 10 minutes. You just pray two. Or there's some mornings I want to pray through it. I'm like, I don't have five minutes for each. I'm going to set my timer on my phone and pray for two and a half or three minutes for each. But what this is really helpful is on the, on the inside is it gives everybody the, the, the topic. So the first one, for example, is praise. Um, if, you want to, if you want to go to that on, on, on the slides. So for example, for praise, it starts with a verse that you can read. And then it just gives you the little prompt of here's what you're, what you're uh, to do. And then the next one, then there'll be, you know, for example, waiting. This is one that I enjoy. Sometimes you pray, but you just like wait and you sit and you listen. Uh, there's, where, there's where you can pray for uh, the lost. We, we have our, everyone's developed their ecos list. Our, and if you haven't, we'll teach you how. This is the time to pray for that. Um, there's a spot in there to pray for Generosity. This is for that our church would develop a growing heart of generosity, specifically for church planting efforts. So there's, there's, there's 12 different things that we can all be praying for together in this season. Uh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> we have also developed, an, our, you know, our very talented Abby Scahan helped me put this together, uh, but we've also developed a prayer wheel 
that's just uh, loaded onto YouTube that you can just kind of like put your phone down and listen and it'll cue you every five minutes as you go. And so we have a short, uh, like a one minute trailer for what this looks like because I, I use it and it's really helpful. So what's so cool about this is that uh, Abby helped me design in a way where there's three different ways. There's, if you just want silence and you don't like the background music, you can click on that. If you want like worship music like that or you want more ambient style, like we're going to try to pull all the stops because we want you to use this. And so um, one way you can get it, if you, so the link tree, there's a, uh, the, the QR codes that are on all of the chairs. If you click on that QR, we're also going to send this out, but on the QR code, on the link tree, there is just a link to where that video is. Um, again, because we don't need five more sermons on prayer. We need prayer. And so I hope this is a tool that you use. If you don't like it, that's fine. Use something else. Like we, Josh, we talked about the best tool is the one you'll use. So whatever your tool is, use it. <laughs> Pray. But this would be really awesome over the next 40 days if it's something we commit to as a community they were all praying about the same things, seeking God's heart together. Um, we're going to talk about it over and over again. You're going to do it in your life groups. We're going to tell stories about it because Jesus' communities pray together. God is our, God is our great God. And I love this, text, this, this quote um, by Hudson Taylor because often you get overwhelmed thinking of the need and overwhelmed at how big everything is and how are we going to do it and it seems impossible. And he said, how often... Do we attempt work for God to the limit of our incompetency rather than to the limit of God's omnipotency? It's like, man, that's good. It's like, that's what we're after. In Ephesians 3, at the end of the chapter, Paul's praying, he says, now him too is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, hope, or imagine. Like, that's what God is calling for. And so much we just like, limit everything by our incompetency which is very real, by the way. It's not like we're making stuff. There's always, we have limits. But we, the, the God always does and makes the impossible possible. I want to show you something really cool to, to close because this is something that happened at, uh, at, the, at the conference we did. And it, I didn't know it. It just kind of dawned on me when I was in the lobby when it talks about the power of church planting and multiplication. So that picture right there, all the way on this side, is uh, Paul Voltmer. He's the pastor at uh, Trinity Church in Vermont. Um, right next to them is a, uh, an older, not as good looking version of myself. That's my mom and dad. Um, and then in the middle is Serena, there's me, and there's Justin. 
And what was so cool that we realized in our conference was the power of multiplication. So Paul's church, Trinity Church, 40 years ago, the youth pastor there uh, felt called to help get a Bible study started in Chesterfield. He didn't feel like he was going to be, a, it was called to be a church planter, but he just knew he wanted to help maintain a Bible study until someone could come along and lead because that area needed a church. The Bible study that someone from that Paul, Paul is the senior pastor at Trinity Church is what turned into uh, Grace Community Church in Spofford. Grace Community Church in Spofford 10 years ago planted Center Church in Winchester, which is where Serena is from. A few years after that, uh, out of there, Elm, combined with Praxis, Elm City Church uh, got, got started. And now Justin is going to be planting uh, out of Elm City, Walpole. Four generations, five churches. Amen. And we like realized that in the lobby. We're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about church planting and multiplication, like why are we going to commit to being a church planting church? This. This is why, because of multiplication. You know, there are thousands of people that have heard the gospel. There are hundreds of Bible studies and groups that have gotten started over the last 40 years, all because some guy who didn't feel like he was a church planter was faithful to what God called him to do and started a Bible study. I mean, if you would talk about measuring things by God's power and not ours, and even when we talk about, like, why is, it, why is it worth sacrificing for to raise money for church planting? I mean, it's, it's a bargain in the kingdom investment because church planting and multiplication and discipleship, and it's exponential growth. We need to live and act and serve and give and pray like we know what time it is. We need to be wise. And we are in a moment that does require some more urgency. We're in a moment that requires us to come together and pray and seek the Lord, to rely on the God who tells us to pray, now him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask, hope, or imagine. But also, I want to end with this, because this is not just do, 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 because God needs lots of worker bees. The theme of a lot of our singing this morning has been joy. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15. These are the words of Jesus. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. That's what Jesus wants for you, to have a life full of joy. He wants you to experience his joy and his love, and there is joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in being connected to Jesus. There is joy in doing hard things together with other believers for Jesus. There is joy in praying together for kingdom purposes. And there is great joy in living like you know what time it is. We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.